But here's what we're doing. Um, we are looking at the start of the church, and we find this in the book of Acts. This is found in the New Testament, and the word that we're looking at is ecclesia. What does this mean? What does this look like? And as we're going through the book of Acts, verse by verse for the first 14 chapters, we're literally looking at the first acts of the church, okay? It's not just a weapon. It's the acts of the church and seeing what this means for individuals and what it looks like practically for the church today. And when we were in chapter one, the whole theme of the start of the church, you know, if you're new to church or you grew up with church or you've just heard the word church, here's what we're looking at is the start of the church, and the whole theme of it is actually found in the first chapter in verse 8, and it's this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Not when a great speaker comes, not when there's a great worship team, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and not just there, to the ends of the earth. This is where my Holy Spirit will take you. And so Jesus has given his disciples, as we see in the book of Acts, uh, his disciples and apostles, the commission to go and tell people who Jesus is. Now, as powerful as this moment is, unfortunately, I think sometimes this is a commission that we can soon forget. If, if we have a relationship with Jesus, this is something that defines us, but we can soon forget it. It's neat and it's novel, it's powerful, but after a while, we can take those truths and we can shove them in the basement of our life. This was good for a little bit, but that looks cool too. Ooh, look, shiny, that looks nice. And we follow a different source and we shove it in the basement of our life. And instead of being moved by the mission of the Holy Spirit, we move on from the mission of the Holy Spirit. Uh, my girls and I, uh, whenever Kat asked me to take care of the girls, that means TV time. So we watch Netflix and we always watch cooking shows. And I feel so bad for my girls because we watch and they're like, that looks so good. I'm like, I know. And you will never taste it because I am not making that. That looks crazy. But when, we, when we're out of food shows, we move on to books. Just kidding. More TV. So we look at more TV stuff. And one of the shows we've been watching are this thing called Swap Shop. I don't know if you've seen it. Yes, I love it. Um, it's basically like a storage wars or an antique roadshow, that kind of thing, where people, they go to these houses, they go to these storage spaces, they're looking around, and they find something that, to the owner, they forgot they even had. It's just like, yeah, if you find anything, you can have it. And they take it out, and it's literally worth thousands some of these things, it's just a picture, and it's like worth half a million dollars. It's crazy. They did not realize the value of what they had. And I wonder, with a relationship with Jesus, our Christianity can be like this as well. We take his word, but we shove it in the basement. We look for other sources, and even with the church, we can turn it into an experience rather than engaging with the Holy Spirit. It takes, a little bit of, it takes a little bit of part of our lives, but not all of it. And it just sits in the basement. But if we actually cashed it in for what it's worth, it would change our lives. So as we saw last week at the beginning of chapter 2, it's the day of Pentecost. It's basically the start of the church. This is the feast 50 days after Passover. It's also 50 days after the death of Christ. And tongues of fire came down. Super powerful, 
incredible. Tongues of fire come down, and the Jewish spectators saw a miracle happen. There's about 120 people mixed of different nations, and because of the Holy Spirit, they are all speaking the spectators' language. They can hear them and understand them. And some of them were amazed because of the things they were saying. They were saying the wonders of God. They're like, what? how are you saying the wonders of God in my language? And they're just blown away. But then there's other spectators who are on the side and they're mocking. And they're like, wow, you must be drunk. Like, that, that's just kind of weird. And I don't know about you, but that sat a little funny with me last week. And here's why. Because as we continue to move forward in our series in the book of Acts, we need to be careful not to be those people. Because me, personally, my natural inclination is to be one of those people. When I hear stories about the great things God has done, I've seen so many fake things that people say God has done. And if I can write it off, come up with other explanations, that's what I do. And yes, we need to challenge, we need to be inquisitive, and that's okay. But it's not okay to be a person that nothing is good enough for. It's not okay to be so jaded and cynical that God is guilty until he's proven innocent. Let's not be those people. But let's know that those people exist, things like that will happen, but we trust God in this. So we're at verse 14. Peter gets up, a disciple, an apostle of Jesus Christ, gets up and sees the situation, sees that people are doubting what's going on. Oh, no, that's not the Holy Spirit. They're just drunk. And so what does he do? He says, you know what? This thing needs a sermon. So he's going to start preaching. Now, as you see in the book of Acts, this is not common. You're going to see several sermons preached by Peter, Paul, and Stephen um, because this is not just something that we create. This is a Bible thing. It exists to proclaim the word of God and explain the work of God. And Peter begins to dust off some of the powerful belief that these negative commenters actually have. And he's like, no, this is actually what you have. And so he's bringing it out of the basement, and he's going to explain this miracle that's taking place. He's going to explain that, no, this isn't just a miracle. This is the Holy Spirit at work. This is what was promised to us, and it's happening. And he's going to use three passages from the Old Testament, from Joel and also uh, two Psalms of King David. So, during our time, I'm going to rush through a little bit because there's a lot of verses, but here's, here's basically the two big chunks. Peter is going to show first why we believe. This is who the Holy Spirit is. This is who God promised. This is how he's going to work. And so we're just going to look, what does it look like when the Holy Spirit comes on the church, on believers, on individuals? And the second part, well, why? Why does the Spirit come now? Because of the gospel because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so those are the two things we're going to look as Peter talks. So Peter hears the comments of the people and begins his sermon by explaining what's really happening. Uh, just as you said, he goes, hey, just so you know, these people are not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. Um, and also, to, it's interesting where it says that Peter addressed the crowd. It's actually the same word that we see in verse 4 with the Holy Spirit gave utterance. So the Holy Spirit is speaking through Peter right now. He's like, no, they're not drunk. Um, oh, excuse me. Yeah, he's like, no, they're not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. Um, and you don't come to a prayer meeting drunk. 
right? Yeah, you don't come to a prayer meeting drunk, or at least all, all 120, like, you don't come to that. So why do they look drunk? Because these Jews are hearing different people in different cultures speaking in their language and talking about crazy things. God became a man, the God that they serve. The God of Abraham came to be a man, and that he was crucified, and that he rose from the dead. Well, they have no reference for this, and they just write him off as drunk. Uh, in high school, I was the designated driver for many parties that I attended. Now, you might say, oh, good on you, Matt. No, it's the only way I could get invited to the parties is if I was, I'll drive. <laughs> Woo! Okay. And as I drove people home, drunk people talk a little stupid. They talk a little silly. They're not, and the reason for this is they're not inhibited by the things that naturally restrain us. They're just talking about anything and talking freely. They'll say something offensive. I'm just, I don't mean it, but it's true. You know, it's like, okay. Um, they're a bit more fearless. They're not counting the danger. And we saw last week that when the Spirit comes upon you, you are thinking and even speaking different than the world that you live in. The fear that you have for things has actually been replaced by the fear of God. Your uncertainty of the unknown is placed in the hands of the known. Your anxiousness is silenced by the faith and hope that you have in God. And these believers that are speaking, they have no fear speaking to a Jewish audience about this because they have the courage to speak about what Jesus has done. And Peter is reminding us that this is what the Holy Spirit allows us to do. The Holy Spirit gives us courage to speak truth about God's word. We see, um, we see this in Peter that just two months ago, he denied who Jesus was. He denied to a little girl and to a little campfire and cursed and said, I don't know the man. But now he's so full of the Spirit, he can't be silent. He's like, oh, I'll preach. I'm ready. And so what happens here is Peter dusts off the Old Testament and explains what is happening by referencing the prophet Joel. And he says this because they would know it. And he says this, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both male and female, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter quotes Joel that there was a day coming where everyone will receive the Holy Spirit. And this is a big deal because in the Old Testament, it seemed like the Holy Spirit was very specific with who he came upon. As few would be set apart for mighty tasks, feats of strength, wisdom, all of those things. But Peter reminds us that there would come a time where everyone, even male and female servants, no one was above, no one was below, that they would be filled with the Spirit, have the confidence of the Spirit. And he's saying, today is that day. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit gives us as Christians is courage. We must remember that we have the same Holy Spirit that's mentioned with the Old Testament prophets, the same Spirit they had. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean we'll do the same feats of strength, 
We may not be able to speak with the same authority of the Word of God that the Bible can speak with the authority of the Word of God, but it does mean that we are empowered to be witnesses for Jesus, witnesses that far surpass our normal abilities. And since we are empowered, we need to remember that the Holy Spirit makes us qualified to be able to talk with anyone. Uh, a few years ago, I'm originally from Hollywood, California, and I went to a movie, and I was sitting there getting ready to watch the movie, and out of the corner of my eye, I don't think anyone will know this person, but I see this long goatee, and it belonged to one of my favorite musicians. His name's Scott Ian. He's the rhythm guitarist for Anthrax. No one knows. That's okay. But I'm sitting there, and I look at him, and I go, you're Scott Ian. He goes, yeah. I go, oh, would you like some of my popcorn? And he said, no. <laughs> I want to watch the movie. Now, when we engage with people, we tend to lead with our qualifications rather than the Spirit. Because my uncle was like, you idiot. Like, what are you doing? You're not qualified to talk to him. I'm like, yeah, but it's him. <laughs> you know, I want to do it. And what happens is, if we don't feel qualified to talk to someone, we disengage. If we can't see the outcome of the conversation before we have it, we feel defeated and we don't even start. Um, if we can't see the good and talk, like what's the point, then we just stay silent. I remember a little while ago, I was talking to a student in our youth group and I just said, hey, how's your relationship with God? He's like, so good, so good. I just love God. I'm like, that's awesome. And I said, well, who do you tell? He goes, no one. Wow, why? He said, wow, because it's not good for them. It's good for me. I said, okay, but you know, when they tell you the things that they like, why don't you tell them? It's like, well, I just, I just don't want to burden them, you know? I said, you know, it, it, this is where you say like, well, try harder and stuff like that, but no, my heart broke. And I said, wow, that really makes me sad. And he said, why? Why does that make you sad? He said, because your friends will never know the best part of you. They'll never know who heals your heart, who hears your cries at night. Like, they'll never know the best part of you because you feel unqualified to tell them. The Holy Spirit gives us power and courage to speak to others. In fact, the man Peter, who's preaching right now, he was labeled as an uneducated man. But we see that because of the Holy Spirit, those who are mocking him after the end of the sermon, spoiler, 3,000 come to know who Jesus is. So, by the Spirit, we are empowered to share the good news. We don't need a title, a platform, a degree. We can go directly to God. However, though, even though we can go directly to God, we have this amazing thing in our basement. We have this treasure. We can go directly to God, but instead, we go to people, and we want them to be our mediators between us and God. Now, obviously, I believe in pastors. I believe in teaching, preaching, and using those gifts. But the truth is, I am no closer to God than any of you. I'm surprised no one said amen. But yeah, I am not closer to God than any of you. I have no special access. In our day, there's no separation of clergy and laity. The because as we saw last week, the fire came down, not just on a few, on everyone. The Spirit came down on everyone. And one of the big differences between Christianity and Old Testament Judaism is that we all have access to God. 
the same fullness of God, the same Holy Spirit power. Now, pastors do exist for a reason, to teach the word, to feed the sheep, to serve, but they don't have access that you don't. Because of the Holy Spirit, you can study the Bible. He illuminates it for us. You can pray and know that you're actually talking to God. You can get advice from pastors or anyone else. You can confess sin to pastors or anyone else as you are confessing them to God. But a pastor is not the mediator between God and man. Peter's saying Jesus is that. And now I'm not trying to lower the bar for pastors because it's pretty low for me. But like I'm not trying to lower the bar for pastors and teachers. But I'm trying to raise the bar for everyone in regards to access with God. Whatever holy standard you hold people to, we need to also hold ourselves to that standard. We have to recognize that we all have access to God. We all have the power of the Holy Spirit. We all have those standards on our lives because we are living in a day where he says anyone who calls on the Lord will be saved. Um, in our day, God has blown the doors open, and he is calling people from every country, every tribe, to come know Jesus. And the work he wants to do in this city is through all of his people, not just through an elite few. He is calling us all to live like missionaries. I love the testimony earlier. He is calling us to take the gospel wherever we are for the people of all cultures. And this is important to understand, especially um, when it comes to speaking in tongues, because this is what it teaches us. If you think about it, there is no primary language or culture for Christianity to exist in. There's not just a specific one. It can exist in any culture and in any language. Why? Because the Spirit has poured out so that we can be witnesses to all. When the gospel goes into a culture, it goes into the same way it does to us. We believe the truth of the life, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And once it's received, cultural worship may look a little bit different, and that's okay, because it's not our job to convert or conform people to our way of worship. And what speaking in tongues, as we saw last week, what that teaches us on Pentecost, it shows us this, that the gospel embodies itself in every language and every people. Every culture will be challenged by the good news of Jesus, by the standard of Jesus. Every culture will have things that they need to repent of. But every culture will also have beautiful things that can be enhanced by the gospel and used to reflect Jesus Christ in their lives. We don't call cultures to be imitators of our worship, but to be followers of Christ in their culture. And for this to happen, we need to see that we are missionaries for Christ, not just in our cities, but wherever we go. It's amazing what the gospel can do. And Peter is telling his listeners um, that what they are witnessing, what they think people are just being drunk, he's saying, no, this is special. And this is unique to Christianity because this means God speaks every language. Jesus is for every people. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And when we dust that off and we believe and we cash it in for what it truly is worth, we can confidently engage with God, with others, and the world. We really can. So just a quick review before we 
uh, go to our second part. The Holy Spirit, what uh, Peter is reminding us is that the Holy Spirit gives us courage to speak truth about God's word. He makes us qualified to be able to talk with anyone. And he has poured out on us so that we can be witnesses to all. And so Peter now explains what the people are talking about. What is going on? And he says this in verse 22, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan, foreknowledge. It wasn't by accident. It wasn't an oops. God knew the entire time. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Peter says very clearly what's going on. (laughs) Very clearly. He calls them out on their actions. And he says, you have a decision to make. Because God, the God that you worship, he said that Jesus is legit. And you said he's not. And put him on a cross. Peter, bro, like, this is the start of the church. <laughs> can you start with, we love you? <laughs> can, you can you start with that sermon? But it's not just them who crucified Christ. It's all of us. It's a human thing. It was my sin that put him on the cross until it was accomplished. And Peter speaks with courage that it was our sin that put Christ to death. And what Peter is preaching is the gospel the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for humanity. Verse 24 says, But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. The word that he uses here, agony of death, it's actually the same word that's associated with birth pangs. And this is a weird statement, okay? The birth of death. What does that mean? Because birth is usually associated with life. But Peter is saying that life is about to burst out from the death of Jesus. Death won't be able to hold back this life of Jesus. We sinned, we rebelled, we killed Jesus, but death can't stop it. And what Peter is doing is confirming that Jesus is who he said he is. Peter then references, we're going to skip over this, but Peter references a psalm by King David that the listeners would have known. And where in the psalm, David confesses that he can't find a better source than God. No one can do or give what only God can. And so another thing that we need to dust off in this basement is that the gospel is good news because it's about what only Jesus can do. The gospel that some, now here's the thing, when we hear the word gospel, here, here might be the gospel that maybe we grew up with, or that we've seen, or that we've witnessed. It's one that preaches to our self-esteem, um, that we are generally okay, we have good intentions, we're good people, we try really hard, but man, this world's really hard. So when life gets hard, When it goes against us, we must muster up enough strength and faith in God that we can just overcome anything through perseverance. God plus me. We can do it. And we're saved from our problems that are out there. But Peter says, no, no, no. Your problem's not out there. 
It's here. It's inside. It's us. It's my sin, my problem. And why is it a problem? Because I keep doing it. And the only solution is a savior from the outside of myself. The tongues of fire from heaven that we saw last week, that shows that the solution had to come from somewhere else. Our biggest need as as people is not to reform ourselves morally, not to clean up our act. It's not just to overcome the circumstances around us, even though all of those things might need to happen. But our biggest need is to understand the depths of our sin and believe that Jesus is the best solution. There's a pastor by the name of Tim Keller, and I can't get this phrase out of my mind. It's so beautiful. He says, what the gospel shows us, what Peter is preaching, the gospel shows us that we are far more evil than we could ever imagine, but more loved than we could ever dare hope for. Peter preaches this to a crowd that is mocking him, but after preaching this message in the spirit, the crowd responds. They're cut to the heart, and they say, brothers, what shall we do? What a phrase. They were cut to the heart. And they didn't just go, oh, ouch. No, they asked, what do we do? They responded this way because they knew it was true. They knew what Peter was saying was true. And this is the spirit at work because these listeners, they didn't have a reason in their Jewish religion to believe in Jesus. They didn't want to believe that God would become a man. They didn't understand the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It didn't fit within their belief until they saw that their Judaism, until they saw it in hindsight, they realized that, oh, we actually put our religion before God. And they didn't want to be the reason for killing Jesus. So they asked, what shall we do? And isn't the same for us? I know it is for me. I don't see what the big deal is about something until I realize it's my fault. It was in my hands. When I asked why my mom was so emotional growing up, I didn't realize until my dad pulled me aside and said, you, you dummy. She cries at night because of you. That that got real. When I asked my wife, Kat, why are you so defensive? Because of you. You don't listen. When I ask my girls, why are all the Oreos gone? Because of you. No, okay. (laughs) But when we realize it's us, when we realize we play a part in this, doesn't that cut to the heart? Think of your own scenario. When it's in your hands, it will cut to your heart. And they ask, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Now, as you know, here at the church, baptism is not about getting in, doing some, you know, doing a a holy practice and washing away our sins. No, all it is, it's just an outward expression of an inward reality of saying, I have turned 180 degrees from myself and have turned to God. Like, the only reason I'm in this tank, the only reason I'm about to get baptized is because of what only he can do. And Peter says, if you do this, it will save you from this generation. 
Now, we're going to end here in just a moment, but this is important to see because when we are forgiven, it actually makes us different from people around us. When, we're say, when Jesus comes in, it makes us different from people around us. And you say, well, actually, I don't want to be like Christians. I, I want to be around the people that I'm around with. They're cool. They're, they're not, you know, they're not weird. I don't want to be with the weird Christians. I just want to be around my people. Like, why can't I be a Christian uh, around these people? I don't want to be like the weird Christians. Did I say that enough? But if, but if we really repent, it will make us different from the world. Why? Because the gospel allows us to see the story that we've actually been written into. We're not just trying to succeed in this world with a Christian story. No, we've overcome the world because he's overcome the world. We're part of another story. A couple weeks ago, <laughs> excuse me, a couple weeks ago, um, we, we like musicals around our house, and the new West Side Story uh, by Steven Spielberg came out. It was on Disney+, Plus, and so we were watching it. Now, I wanted to just watch a good movie. I wanted to see singing and dancing and vibrant colors, but while we're watching it, I had to keep pausing it because my girls were like, why are there gangs and why are they fighting? I'm like, wow, well, you know, I don't know if this is really fighting, but like they, <laughs> like, because they, they have some territory that they're fighting over and these people think it's theirs because they were first and they came. They're like, okay, but why are they racist to one another? Oh, okay, um, I, uh, <laughs> I didn't, um, be, because they are. Let's keep playing, you know. <laughs> Um, why are the police one-sided? Why aren't they helping out everyone? Oh, man, just listen to the songs, you know? Like, I don't want to talk about this. What, why is that girl dressing like a boy to look like them? I, I, I don't know. Why are there broken relationships? What, why, why is there killing? Why is she in bed with him and her clothes? Are, I, she's warm. Like, I don't know why these things. But here's what was happening. I'm like, you didn't ask these questions when we watched Annie. <laughs> like, why are you asking these questions now? But they knew that they had a different story. Because they kept saying, why don't they just pray in this situation? Why don't they forgive instead of shoot them? Why don't they do this? Why don't they love each other because God loved them? And I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. And so I put on my pastor hat and I said, well... The name of this film is West Side Story, but what you guys are defending is God's story. Do you see a big difference? I'm like, yeah, we do, and we got to talk through that. And here's the thing. God's story, it's better because it invites us to let Jesus be all the things that we're fighting for in our West Side Story. It lets Jesus be our identity. It lets Jesus define our cultural values. It lets Jesus satisfy our demands for justice. It lets Jesus give us his peace to our chaos. It allows Jesus to define wisdom in our confusion. It allows Jesus to heal relational brokenness, identity. It allows Jesus to give us our significance and our security in all of who we are. Worship team, you can come up. 
What our story does and what Peter's reminding us is that our story looks to protect our brokenness. He's like, yeah, you you don't want to get involved there. You're just saying that they're drunk because actually there's something inside you that's broken. And what God's story does, it illuminates the problem. It's you. And it actually, what God does, it doesn't just get rid of the stuff. No, God's story actually pushes us towards the brokenness of people. Go tell them. Go pray for them. Go love them. Go to the ends of the earth. And what God's story does is it gives us a better story to invite us to and also invite others. And as it says at the end here, 3,000 were added to their numbers that day. They were cut to the heart. They believed. They repented. They were baptized. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And I wonder, what is cutting you to the heart these days? Are you just surviving? Are you protecting your heart? Because it's been hurt before? Are you still trying to find a better narrative for your heart to live out? What is your heart holding on to? And what would it take to cut to your heart so that you would realize what you actually truly need? what you actually truly want, what you were actually truly made for. God gives us a better story to be a part of, and the Spirit gives us the ability to be a part of that. If you could bow your heads, close your eyes. We're going to go into a time of response and worship, and you're going to see that whenever we sing a song, it's not about how we're doing, how good we are. It's about God. He's there. He's present. He's willing, and he's with us right now in this space. And so the first part of this message, maybe there's some things in the basement that need to be dusted off and cashed in. Say, why did I keep this there? God, you are better than this. God, you are clearer than this. God, you are stronger than this. Dust it off and let it be the best part of your life. And for some of you, Maybe the basement's empty, or maybe it's full of stuff that you've just held on to, and you're like, no one could clean this. No one could get rid of this stuff, so I'm just going to hide it. I'm going to try to work really hard. I'm going to try to ignore that it's even there, and if somebody says, oh, it's because of you that's there, I'm going to be like, nope, I don't need you in my life, and I just cancel that. I just ignore you, but what if today you heard that someone actually wants that junk? Someone wants that pain. Someone wants that hurt and those fears. Wants to give you something better. And will actually be with you when more fear comes. When more pain comes. So friends, if there's some things that need to be dusted off today, remember the Holy Spirit is in you. And he gives you a story to share to anyone. And if God needs to be in your life today, don't be afraid to ask. You've heard it. They were cut to the heart, and they said, yeah, it's true. What do we do? So, Heavenly Father, we come before you now, and we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you invite us into a better story. 
We thank you that your truth is solid. Lord, just as we saw in the passage, you didn't change your mind. You foreknew what would happen. When you speak, it's true. God, we need that truth tonight. We love you and we thank you. Be with us as we respond. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're willing, you can stand and we will sing. Thank you.